0: You're listening to the Horizons Church podcast. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Horizons Church podcast. I am as always your host <laughs> Josiah Pitts. <laughs> you have to forgive I'm laughing. I'm joined today by a very special guest, someone who has not been on the podcast in like 365 hot minutes, our Lost Creek Youth Pastor, Don Skidmore is in the studio with us today, and he was smirking at me while I was saying all that. It made me laugh a little bit while I was trying to record my
1: introduction bits there. I'm thinking if you're going to talk like that, I'll have to talk some way too. too. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Don's
0: here with us. Uh, thank you, Don, for taking some time to sit down and talk with me. And,
1: Thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah. So what we wanted to talk about today was a pretty awesome young adult outreach ministry that you've recently begun uh, back in kind of the December January time frame you kind of laid the foundation for this right right uh, It's called new wine taking your cues from Jesus there with the new wine skins, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a young adult outreach ministry. And it's really pretty awesome because now I've only been to one meeting personally up to this point, but I know that you've got a core contingency of around 50 to 60 folks who are driving in from, golly, it feels like every corner of West Virginia to be a part of this thing that takes place every other Saturday night. And I'm just curious love to get your thoughts. New Wine doesn't really look like most young adult ministries that I've at least personally ever worked with or been a part of. And I've helped out with or been on the periphery of a number of young adult ministries, especially in my time at Liberty University. And they were all, this is going to sound derogatory, and I don't mean it this way, but they're all kind of very cookie cutter and they all looked very much the same. And New Wine doesn't really look like anything that I've ever seen that was meant for young adults. So what led you to start this very different looking young adult outreach ministry?
1: Well, I think uh, a key thing was I was looking for something that they could be a part of that felt more like a community to be a part of mm-hmm. rather than an event to attend or something to watch. And so, very little of it is ever a spectator kind of thing. You know, I just feel like what people are looking for today, and especially young people, they're looking for some way to connect. that really need some vital, deep, and fun, and engaging way to uh, feel like they belong to something that gives them life. So everything we do, I really try to put it through that lens, and it's really simple stuff, but... The only time that they are really listening is uh, the short little message, which I call it a homily, because it's it's not a sermon. It's, I try to keep it 15 minutes, mm-hmm. and it kind of gives us some direction to make application of what we're studying. But but they actually get into the Word for a little while themselves, short mm-hmm. time. Then they share at their table mm-hmm. you know, what they saw that they liked, and, and they like doing that. It's, it's fun to talk with somebody about the Word of God. And um, in fact, one lady was just commenting that but um, sometimes it's hard to find people that you can really just discuss the Word of God with. And so yeah. they're getting into it themselves, and they're learning each week a little bit more about how to look into the Word of God and not only see things, but begin to notice when is God speaking to them from some passage in the Word. And, you know, and then um, sometime during the night, we'll actually have prayer. They're sharing their needs and praying for each other, and mm-hmm. that's so valuable. The worship time is always intimate, it never feels like a concert so much. It feels more like a, a sing-along around the campfire or uh, something like that. And and the way we set it up, it just singing together feels like a community builder, too. Mm-hmm. And then we do this, we may be in the, call it the serious part, if you want to, for an hour and a half, and it seems like no time at all. Yeah, It's so enjoyable. Sometimes we'll do communion, but then we eat. Mm-hmm. And it's just been awesome breaking bread together. And everything we do, we're, we're trying to figure out how can we... Uh, help people get to know each other. And you're right. People come from every direction, you know, and we don't all know each other. Someone may come in for the first time and, and, I've asked them before, you know, I've said, you think everybody in this room really knows each other, don't you? And they're like, yeah, you know, and they didn't know anybody, <laughs> but the two of them, that came from another town, you know, and I'm like, they don't. Like those guys over there, they're all from one particular college. We're just getting to know them. Those two were their first time here tonight, too. So we really are just beginning to get to know each other. Yeah. So how do you do that? How do you pull that off?
0: Yeah. So you're really tapping into a desire for community and connection, it seems like.
1: Right. And I've built the liturgy, if you will, or the structure Mm -hmm. um, to enable that to happen um, with freedom in there for them to really, you know, let loose and engage. Yeah. And so, so far it's it's been working and it's been beautiful to Mm -hmm. see it happen and they love it. Apparently they need this. And some have said they've even been praying for it and looking for it when they're out and about, you know, checking out churches and they're not finding it.
0: Yeah. That actually leads me to another question that I'm particularly interested to hear your thoughts on. Why do you think it is that the quote-unquote millennial generation, which I would classify roughly as folks, you know, a little little older than me. I'm 25, so maybe 25 to 30, and then younger, you know, in that like 18 to 30, I guess, right now, that generation. Why do you think it is that they seem to be bucking against so many trends that have historically taken root in American culture, and how is recognizing this important for the church at large, this tendency in the millennial generation, this upcoming generation that's going to, one day, they're going to comprise the majority of the church. Right? Why, why do you think that is? And why is, why is it important we recognize that?
1: I'm certainly no expert on it. I mean, I've read some books and have worked with that age for a while, you know, but I think one of the things is they are a generation that is unique. Some of the things they're going through, No other American generation has really faced exactly in that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, we don't realize probably that they probably feel alone in the sense that no one really understands because my parents didn't go through this. My grandparents didn't go through this. But suddenly they are in this new world, you know, where they have information overload. I mean, yeah. you know, the, it's the information age. And so, you know, it's so easy to get information of any kind everywhere. A lot of it really good. But that kind of makes it less important in a way right, or yeah. less critical that they have it in this setting when they've got it on all these other settings. Yeah. It also comes with the issue of what they're lacking in their culture sometimes is real, honest communication with people face-to-face Yeah. and uh, close friends friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a need for that kind of connection. and And I don't know that we're doing that very well in terms of, of helping them find that. And they and they tend to be broken, in a sense. Mm-hmm. I don't think people tend to want to marry later in life, but, and we know exceptions in all of these things. I mean, yeah. a lot of people, you know, they got married right out of high school, they, they stumbled into a great job, yeah. and they're already building a house. But when the average age of people getting married today is 30 or 32, mm-hmm. that tells you that there's a lot of people out there that are in a different stage of life. And with that different stage of life, this extension adolescence or whatever. It's just how it is today for a lot of people. If you're single longer, then, you know, that brings other anxieties and stuff. Yeah. You're going through stuff. You begin to wonder, am I going to find anyone, you know, to marry? And and if it's later, do I want to have kids? And, and will we ever have a home? Is it even worth having that, you know? And, and I've got all this debt. I mean, there's all these things that are going on that are, I think, more um, intense yeah. Than it was for my generation or my mm-hmm. parents' generation so and and there's a lot of addiction, there's a lot of people hurting. So they really have all of these special needs, and I don't think we in the church have realize that that special stage of life that so many are in, it's a time they need extra help, you know, Mm -hmm. extra encouragement, teaching on subjects that are just relevant mostly to them. They're making decisions, or making life choices that that they can get wrapped up in and, you know, are we really doing everything we can to help them step through that? And not only only that, but um, there's all these opportunities for them to really get fired up for God and experience all this stuff if we'll create the place for them. So my goal really has been to create a, a community, a place for them to live out what it means to be in this Christian life and explore what Christian fellowship really is firsthand. And I guess part of what I'm saying is, you know, at some point, will the church begin to rethink some of the ways we do things like in the information age yeah is the most important thing we do at our prime service if people are only going to come to church once a week mm-hmm. you know typically then what do we need to put into that service should it primarily be information or should there be all these other things that they really are crying out for even more yeah and then we trust that they get more information another way mm-hmm. as that's their second time or yeah. plug into this I guess the implication for the church is if we don't listen and relate with real understanding as to what they are saying, not just thinking, well, I know what they need, I know what they're saying, I know what they're thinking, but really listen to them, ask them questions, listen. We may miss a wonderful opportunity to partner with them to reach their generation. And uh, we may force them on one hand to decide, well, we're going to have to fix this thing that we've been handed Maybe we'll have to go somewhere else and start something ourselves to create what we feel in our heart and our gut we need and where God is maybe even calling us. But the other option, on the other hand, is even crazier, and that is that they just sort of disengage and, you know, we never really see them come to fruition. I don't think they're going to sit around, the ones that are discouraged or feeling disengaged, I don't think they're going to sit around in church waiting for us to die off so they can finally get their turn like we boomers did. Mm-hmm. We just sort of waited around and pushed a little here and there. And finally, we got to do our thing, you know. But I don't think they're going to wait around. I think they're either going to just drop out or decide if it's going to happen, I'm to have to do it. And that's not everybody. That's yeah. just the ones that we're not seeming to be reaching.
0: Yeah. And so there's this emphasis, it seems, on our generation has access to all this information at our fingertips. You know, I could pull up my phone right now. Right. And I mean, phew, I could get all this stuff. Great great material right so there's an emphasis that needs to i think and what you're saying is be replaced on the unique elements of a local gathering that make right. that something special like you're not going you're not going to get that on a podcast or you know watching it or right. things like that. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah, and I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm
1: beginning to wonder, I mean, and, and what we're doing right now is just we're creating something and then from it we're trying to encourage people to take other steps like if you're going to get water baptized, you know, we're going to do that Sunday morning and yeah. if you need child dedication or if um, you need counseling or if we're having a special discipleship emphasis, a thing called MOVE or Academy. If you want more, some of them have gotten into Bible studies and Mm -hmm. stuff. So we're trying to push them toward more. But I think one thing that's really working with this group is that their first encounter is one that really enriches them and refreshes them because there's all this real community. Mm -hmm. And so once they begin to get the spiritual health, they do want more and they are willing to come back. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: I think that's right on. So it's pretty neat to see these kind of things playing out. My next question for you is it's a two-fold question. What encourages you most about this particular ministry and this generation that you're ministering to in this outreach and what perhaps gives you the most pause about it? <laughs>
1: well, I think there is so much that is a blessing about this generation. I mean, I mean, obviously I love them. You know, I mean, I've mm-hmm. known some of them for a long time, but the ones that I'm just meeting. Like there's a whole segment of people coming to this that I didn't even know in December. Because friends are inviting friends and, and they are so wonderful. There's such a richness in their lives. And uh, some of them especially are um, they're coming out of difficult situations. They've had uh, things that they've had to deal with in life that the average person doesn't have to deal with, but yet they're walking in faith now. They're coming out of addictions. They're coming out of all kinds of problems. uh, But there's this hunger in them. That gives me hope. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this hunger. You know, we've got people driving from Glenville, from below Flatwoods towards Charleston, from Philippi, from Parkersburg, from WVU, Fairmont, Weston, you know, and they love doing it they love being there what does that say on a saturday night at 9pm mm-hmm. i mean you know, even in bad weather they were coming and when they can't make it they just seem genuinely sad that they can't and what are we doing we're reading the scriptures Mm-hmm. We're sharing what we read, we're praying for each other, we're worshiping. And then after an hour and a half of that kind of stuff, we're hanging out eating food and maybe playing a little street hockey or something. And that's if you have time to stay late, you know, yeah. and th- that's not why they come. But that's also part of getting to know each other in a really cool ways. And I've seen them rise to some challenges. We finally, you know, at one point we said, you know, let's do our first serve project is going to be let's donate money and drill a well in Haiti. Yeah. water well in Haiti. And, and men they don't have a lot of money. No. <laughs> but yet they came up together with $2,000 know, mm-hmm. to drill a well. And our project now, uh, they're going to be helping build a house in Haiti for a really poor family. And this is exciting because this is just the beginning. I don't know where this thing's going, but another thing that gives me hope, I sense God's presence in a real unique way with this group. It's like sometimes in worship when you sense God's presence, there's this deep, wonderful sense of peace and just that thing we call the presence of God but here, it seems like while we have some of that, it's, it seems like there's this joy. It's like God is there in the sense of delighting over his children, delighting in one another and delighting in learning about him together and learning to love each other. And it's like he is delighting that his children, I think, have been so disconnected. Some of them are beginning to experience the closest thing I know to uh, the kingdom is here now. We are being changed and we're getting to know each other and around spiritual disciplines He seems to really be delighting in that. Mm -hmm. I've never sensed anything quite like it. And so I think he really wants this. And I think it's an answer to some of his children's prayers. I mean, he's he's saying, all right. Yeah. But as far as uh, the thing that gives me pause, I don't see anything in them that gives me pause. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think of is I hope I don't screw it up, you know, (laughs) because— feel like I need to make sure I'm following my gut and um, the thoughts that I think are really coming from God, even though it may be counterintuitive to conventional wisdom. There's been some things that I've felt like I need to do it this way, but I don't even know why. And then maybe I'll read a book like Tribes by Seth Godin. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the things that he says in there helped me understand why it was important I do things the way I had felt like I needed to do them, you know, it was Mm -hmm. just a really timely read. But the question is, do I have the courage to stick with what I sense God is telling me whenever other people are like, well, how come you're not doing this? And and if you got time for an example, like, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are like, how come you don't put anything out inviting people to this? You know, how can I share this? And we didn't for a long time. It was just, we're sharing it by word of mouth. Mm-hmm. because I want this to be something that it grows slowly enough that we can have at least a chance to really get to know each other. And and yeah. uh, and then I read in the tribe's book, they said, you know, when you're building your tribe, whenever they're coming together, there's a time when the last thing you need is more people. What you need is better connectivity between the people you have. And I'm mm-hmm. going like, well, there it is. Yeah. But I was already <laughs> sensing that, but he put it in words. And when people come up and they're like, what about this? What about that? there's a tendency to doubt yourself. So, you know, I feel like God's given me this ache to see this be a certain thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't yet know what that is, but I've got to follow what I think is what I'm supposed to do, regardless of whether people understand or like it or what, you know? Mm, a
0: little bit of uh, Martin Luther there, right? Here I stand, I can do no other. To go against conscience is neither good nor safe.
1: And I hope it's right. I certainly don't have all the answers, and. I may discover later, it's like, well, that wasn't the best way to do it, but <laughs> but so far it, it really is good. It yeah. feels great to be there. The young people love it and it's exciting, man.
0: Yeah. On that final note, I think it might be apropos to ask, what might you say to someone who wanted to start a similar ministry in their own church? So say somebody in, you know, a church in Ohio or some other state, or maybe, you know, neighboring county or something. They were like, hey, I really like what I'm hearing, what I'm seeing. I'm looking to start something similar. What might you say
1: to them? Well, I'd be welcoming them to call me or something. I had a conversation with a guy from California, actually, the other day, who's a young guy wanting to start this. And so we connected on email and, and, and called and talked for probably 40 minutes, you know, so I just poured out my heart about here's what's working here and here's why and here's what you want to think about. And he could ask questions and, you know, and I hope he does it. I hope he's able to pull it off and we can maybe stay in touch and fellowship. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things I could say, It'd be hard to get into it here, but I'd be very open to help people. I I think if they'll do it, hopefully they're doing it because they have this feeling in their heart that's like, there has to be something we can do, that there's a real burden and a real love for young people. Not just we need more young people in our church, but I mean, yeah. I really care about these people and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. You know, uh, God, please help me to reach them. And, and if it's somebody that has a network already, you know, of young people, they know that they can begin to reach out to. And it's, it's very much about relationships. So yeah. I would encourage them not to throw up a flyer and say, we have an event. It's going to be cool. Why don't you come and watch? you know, but rather invite people to relationship and hopefully with the right components, you'll see something happen. I think they'll love it. Mm-hmm. There'll be times their heart's broken because some of the people you really hope will come and be a part of this, never do. Yeah, That breaks your heart, but yet others will, and uh, they'll be fired up. And seeing them develop as leaders. One of the things I would say is follow what you feel like God is telling you, whether it's your instincts. However you would say it, like there may be things that you sense you're supposed to do or not do that doesn't fly with <laughs> some people. And you may disappoint some people, but if you're patient and listening, I think God will lead it. I think he wants to see this happen, mm-hmm. you know, in your church. And I'd love to help if someone wants to reach yeah. out.
0: Yeah, that seems pretty pretty about right on because it seems like such a localized sort of thing, and you're talking about that network of relationships, it's not something that uh, I think, contrary to modern American wisdom, both in the quote-unquote secular world and in the churches, easily drifts towards formulaic kind of things, that this is not very formulaic in that sense. It's it's very much built around local relationships and those sorts of things. So
1: Yeah, but hmm. just as soon as I say that, then someone else will do something that'll work just great, and it'll be different. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's—you it's,
0: got to— <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you for joining us, Don. Thank you for sharing your heart on this and sharing with us a little bit about this new ministry. Uh, If any of you have questions about this or you want to reach Don, you can reach him at our church offices. What's a good email address if you don't mind sharing that? Um, uh, An easy
1: one is don at net.
0: Yeah, there you go. So if you want to reach out to him directly and talk to him about this, you can do that. If you have further questions about a topic related to this, or anything of that nature, you can shoot those to podcast at horizonschurch.net, or hit us up on social media, or you can catch me and Don in the lobby at Lost Creek on a Sunday or something like that. <laughs> so, thank you, Don, uh, for joining you, us, Suzanne. and uh, for the rest of you listening, we'll catch you next time.